This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. One thing we were sort of rolling around this whole time was the importance of imputation for the simul. Um, and I think it can be easy to forget there that the simul covers both person and work um, such that it's not just looking on your person and saying this person is fully loved, saved, and forgiven because all I see is Jesus. But this person's work is um, redeemed, as it were, because I don't... I, I don't impute the sin that remains in it to the person because they are in Jesus. Um, that, that's always interesting. It's not covering just part of you, but covering all of you. Um, in other words, all of those slips or whenever I do the good thing but with bad intent or I you know, even do the wrong thing for whatever reason, um, those things just are not held against you because of the fact that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, <clears throat> so the, the symbol and imputation is something that has to be held firmly together, which we'll come back to that in a little bit, because we have to get to this notion of uh, the formal removal of sin. But before we keep moving on, I wanted to, we mentioned this passage earlier, but I wanted to point you to page 186. <clears throat> um, that's the th- 30th or third argument of the fifth disputation? Third argument of the third disputation? Yeah. Page again? 186. Also bracketed 30th. Bracket 30th. And this is just a return to that question of how we understand the symbol and what it's designating. Um, what page? I'm sorry. 186. Yeah. <clears throat> because of how often um, there can be confusion in relation to how we talk about the symbol as total states or 100%, 100%, and all of this. Um, and I wonder what you think about what Luther says here. Um, he says, um, I prove the consequence was we are totally righteous or totally sinners. And Luther responds, by way of reputation, that is. For this is true, that by way of divine reputation, we are truly and totally righteous, even though sin is still there. For we ought to retain this synecdoche, that when someone was wounded and is already healed, then the entire man is called healed. We likewise say that the man is wounded, even though barely one limb is wounded. Thus, insofar as we look at ourselves in the first birth, we are also truly and totally sinners. But contrarywise, insofar as Christ is given for us, we are totally holy and righteous. Thus, we are said to be at the very same time righteous and sinners in different respects. Um, I just want to make sure that that, that notion of synecdoche made sense and connected. So what is a synecdoche? Synecdoche is a way of talking about the whole from the part, or the part from the whole. Um, Helping hands. Yeah, helping, yeah. um, Hands being people. Mm -hmm. uh, Or, you know, or his example here is if a person is hurt 
in their arm, you would say he is wounded. Um, you would specify the whole person rather than just the part. Okay. <clears throat> Cleveland won, won the World Series. Right, 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 right. It's yeah. Good. And I, I, I just thought that maybe, maybe this plays into um, Luther's notion of how two opposites can't be in each other in the same way. Um, so it couldn't be 100 and 100 in a certain regard um, because those two things would swamp each other out, but they're wholly there insofar as um, it is there even in a part. I, I don't know exactly what I'm driving at there, but that just stuck out to me as sure. being... Well, but you're, you keep talking about the whole 100%, 100% thing, so mm -hmm. how does it speak to that? <clears throat> well, he said we're totally righteous and totally sinners at the same time, so that would be 100%, 100%. Yeah. And so what Luther goes on to say is, as regards to Christ, right? Mm -hmm. and we're totally righteous, but as regards to ourselves. I mean, I think a way to, to think about it, so that we're not just thinking about sanctification, um, but it's, it's sort of like saying a little piece of crap in a brownie ruins the whole batch. Um, it doesn't matter to what extent you are sinful. You are fully sinful. Um, but I don't think it works as well on the other side because on the other side, you have all of Christ. Um, so I wonder if it's just a way of saying you can say you are fully sinful and yet belong 100% to Christ um, no matter what remains in you. Right. No matter what amount of formal purgation of sin there is. Um, to say that these two opposites exist in you fully and wholly is not um, yes. illegitimate. Simul uses that peccator is asymmetrical. Mm. Yeah. By way of synecdoche. By way of divine power, yeah. Um, or by way of reputation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's really profound. <clears throat> I did not catch that in the first reading. Mm. So explain that again, then. What was your revelation, Dave? Um, no, not that we would ascribe percentages to this to really make sense. But it's like saying, um, I like the pieces of crap that are actually connected with me, but uh, we can't say we're 100% sinful uh, as a regenerate Christian. Um, if you want to, it's like saying it's like saying we're twenty percent sinful, but the but the twenty percent that is sinful makes day strong sinful. Full stop. Mm. I am that's the peccator part of me, but the justified part of me is one hundred percent. So it's like if you knew, or I mean, you know, yucky hair in the school lunch macaroni. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm not going to eat the rest of that macaroni. <laughs> you may have been able to like find the piece of hair, but there's this idea lurking in you. There might be more hair, so I'm just not going to eat the macaroni. So by way of the part, by way of the part, by way of the thing you know, you ascribe something to the whole. That's hairy macaroni. That's, yeah. That's hairy macaroni. <laughs> but really, it was only one piece of macaroni that was soiled by the hair. So it's asymmetrical. <laughs> <laughs> it's way more macaroni than there is hair. 
But yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's way more probably unsoiled macaroni potentially, but because of it, it soils the whole macaroni. So you need the lunch lady to come along, pull out the hair, and declare that it's actually. That's right, declare. But, but <laughs> for the sake of argument, for the sake of argument, it's actually not the whole macaroni. So justification does more of its work than sin does. Is that? I mean, I don't know. If that's the right way to say it, but. The work of Christ is greater. The work of Christ is demonstrably greater. And I think of this explanation as a way of leveling the playing field, too. Because Luther has already talked about how when you have this battle in people, for some it is more violent, for some it is gentler. Um, and whether it's me who you know, is a little greedy and close-fisted with my money and giving it to those who need it, um, which is, you know seems like a trivial sin to a lot of us because it's a problem that so many people have. Or it's the Christian who is always dealing with meth addiction or something. It's the part that stains the whole, and therefore the whole is under the power of sin, and, and that sin is condemned. Um, so there is no distinction <laughs> between you with regard to um, the reputation of the sinner, as it were. Yeah. Uh, that, that's at least one sort of implication I would think from this. Mm -hmm. That's good. And you would only think that in relationship to the fully saved part as well. Um, it levels the playing field and shows that we are all saved in the same way. Um, because ultimately all stand in the same need. But now, now I'm just rambling on that point. I really, the, yeah, importance of imputation, the wordedness of mm -hmm. Christ, of being worded by the word, who gets alive. But by the reputation, by the word of Christ, we are holy, clean. Yeah. Um, not, uh, not in the same way as the you gave. You know, there's a hair in my macaroni, so the whole pot of macaroni is undone. Mm -hmm. And it is helpful. I changed to the hair macaroni key because we have brownies sitting back there. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think about that. I apologize. I'll de I'll declare them clean when I go back there. Um. You invited me. <laughs> you come take this class with me. Good luck. Um, let's keep going. Um, the next thing I think I want us to read is page. Uh, let's see, page ninety to ninety. Let's just read uh, 90 to 92. It's really just two pages. Um, and this is about that relationship between imputation and formal removal of sin. Reference. Uh, the third argument of the second disputation. What does Luther say here about the formal removal of sin, and what, if anything, does that imply about the potential for changed life or something new? I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave fuzzy, ambiguous wording there for the sake of whatever. Well, what he says about the formal removal of sin mm -hmm. is that we have, that's, our sin has been imputed to Christ. It's his sin now, it's not ours. Mm. 
Well, he does say that <clears throat> with regard to imputation. Right. Um, yeah, he's using the word formally differently, isn't he? Because remember, that was one of the problems with the antinomians, is they said Christ formally removes sin, meaning that it doesn't actually exist in us in any real way. He, Luther makes a distinction between imputation and purgation. Mm. Yes. Um, sin is removed imputatively. It also becomes something that can be purged mm. in this life. Yeah. And this is where I feel like we get some stronger statements um, about this. For example, um, <clears throat> and it's the, sec- the sort of middle paragraph on page 91. And even in this way, sin is removed in a formal and purging manner, since here, day by day, I purge and mortify more and more the sin that still remains in my flesh, until finally, all that belongs to the old man is removed and consumed, and a pure and glorified man without any flesh and defect comes forth. He says on the other page, too, what is left in me of sin, this I purge until I become totally pure, and this in the same spirit who's given on Christ's account. It seems to be implying um, a lot about our work in mortifying sin in this life. Um, Yeah. Do you think this is Luther speaking optimistically or hyperbolically, or do you? How do you think this would work in his? Maybe John Wesley came back in there or something. Yeah. The adverbs are unusual. Yeah. We totally. So I become totally pure. Having mostly closed the door and thinking purely as ecologically. I wondered if it was proper to read these statements about formal purging. For example, in the first thing I said, it says, until finally, all that belongs. Or in the second statement, it says, I, I, what is left in me of sin, this I purge until I become. And do you think it's right to read those when until or until statements as referring to the resurrection? Or do you think he's meaning it to refer to what we do in this life? Where is Um The first one is in towards the bottom of the middle paragraph on 91. And the second one is on 92. Uh, at the bottom of the last full paragraph. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. And even in this way, since totally pure. Yeah. Until I become totally pure. Well, I think he's got the mean. I think he's saying pure to mortify more and more. Yeah. And is. Yeah. Mm. And do you think that's the proper reading of those sentences? Or we're reading too much into it? I think we're reading too much into it. Okay. I want to believe that. The first one I think you could say it more. This is almost like reading a scripture and it's not. Mm. It's, it's 
it's the categorical ideal. He's saying, this is what the Christian life should look like. It's possibility he discusses in other places. But as far as the picture, this, this is what it looks like. Almost like for the sake of argument, right. this is how we deal with the purging of sin. This is oral, and somebody wrote it. Somebody, this is oral, and somebody wrote it down. It's like he lapsed into preaching. <laughs> I don't know if you know. I give him more credit than that, but he just sort of starts going along you know, first imputatively, then in a purging manner, because the Holy Spirit has given me. After receiving him, the Spirit, I begin to hate wholeheartedly everything that offends his name. And I become a pursuer of good works. What is left in me of sin is I purge till I become totally pure. And this in the same Spirit who's given on Christ's account. Where is that? I totally pure bit. That's the one bottom of 92. Last one it's paragraph. It's homiletical. It's not really this way. Theological. Right. Yeah. Just with the way so, he's yeah, here first mm -hmm. imputatively in the middle of the paragraph. Yep, 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 yep. What are your thoughts? I missed maybe where I was reading it. And it was, it was several months ago. I was like, is this all Luther or mm -hmm. is this mothers? I mean, is this work of a committee? But I did not like this text. This, this one got past me. Mm -hmm. You, did, you said you didn't? I did not highlight this text oh, okay. when I was reading it earlier. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it. I'm trying to figure out what to do with it right now, too, um, to a certain extent, because um, it seems like what he is describing is the impossible of purging until there's total purity. Um, but I also don't feel like he's putting this forward just as uh, the ideal because the, the next text I want to look at, which we don't need to go to right now, is precisely how the law works when you are being tempted. And it says, when you're being tempted, the law will keep you from it. Like, you will be able to turn and keep away from that sin. Um, and we'll look at a concrete example that he gives of precisely how you would go about purging that sin. And he's got a huge amount of confidence um, in it happening. So, well, in the bottom paragraph or the partial paragraph on the bottom of 92, mm -hmm. I had underlined back when I read this, yet here Christ took our place and supplied what we lack. And he raised with his blood the handwriting of the decree which was against us. That's mm -hmm. just kind of his summary take on all of that. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is we, we know that by imputation we have, we're fully accounted um, as righteous before God and there is no sin there. But we are riddled with sin otherwise. Um, and he just seems to be claiming a lot about our ability by the Holy Spirit, of course, not, not by our own will or work, but the Holy Spirit's work in us um, to accomplish this. I just I wondered if you thought this fit 
or um, well, I mean, it looks like Luther's talking about growth a little bit. Uh, Something maybe growth isn't the right word. You know, it doesn't progression to me not fit. Yeah, it just seems to be part of his his working this all out. Mm -hmm. Just almost hearing us hearing talk or think. Almost this is what he's thinking. You know, this <clears throat> is, we just got to listen in. Yeah, I think for me it does fit. Um, because elsewhere, you know, in the large catechism, after he's discussed justification, he's laid out fully, you know, it's only grace. He says, if we want to be Christians, we must practice the things that a Christian does. Um, so I think he always does have this sense of we do grow in all these things. Um, but it struck me as just surprising the strong language that is here. Like, this is... The, totally normally, sta yeah, normally, normally the statements that are like a level seven, and this is ten. Yeah, totally um, pure. Yeah, glorified, pure and glorified man. Yeah. yeah, these go to eleven. <laughs> don't even look at him. Um, don't look. You know, don't like the in as much as a Christian is a Christian, and we stay on that side of the ledger because he's. I just reword. I just realized again he's talking about where's the law end for a Christian. And the law ends in two ways. First, imputatively, mm. and secondly, formally and purgatively. Um, inasmuch as a Christian is a Christian, not a kator, uh, there is this purging uh, where the Holy Spirit is given to the Christian. We keep adding that. And after receiving the Spirit, I begin to hate wholeheartedly everything that offends his name, and I become a pursuer of good works. Mm. As a Christian has the work of working. And what is left in me and send this I purge until I become totally pure, a Christian, 100% righteous in the eyes of God, because of already the first formal imputation. And this in the same spirit is given on Christ's account. But inasmuch as we remain sinful, we remain sinful. Yeah. This I concede the entire argument. Yeah. Maybe that's how he would have been. Yeah. I don't know that. I think well, he might. He's talking about where is the law ended. He said, for the Christian, inasmuch as the Christian is a Christian, of course the law is ended. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think one thing I would say here is that we are hopping around, um, but a lot of this comes as a total package. Mm -hmm. And so these statements have to be read in the light of the other ones. <laughs> Just says the other ones have to be read in the light of this one. Yeah. Um, so there, this statement that you know you purge until you become totally pure has to be read in the light of life is a perpetual battle, or I will always sin and have grand and serious sins in me that I won't even notice. Yeah, it's um, not a new program for yeah. perfect sanctification. Um, and that that's what, this points to another place where I think Luther is happy to state. The paradox or the, the, the statements and tension and let them ride. <laughs> um, but they have to be read together. Um, otherwise, the statement could just beat you down um, with either demands or false hopes. Um, totally. Yeah. No, I don't think there's any way the whole corpus of Luther's works could be misconstrued to say that Luther believed. Yeah. That perfect sanctification was possible in this life. Mm -hmm. um, that right there in the middle chart. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wanted to draw attention to on page 91, right when he starts talking about how we remove sin formally, he says, there are remainders of all kinds of sins against the first as well as the second table. Um, For these we plead with God the Father through Jesus Christ, saying or praying, forgive us, O Father, our debts in heaven. And he forgives the sins of those who ask according to the word of John, yada, yada, yada. It's only in light of that that he talks about our purging of the sin. So it's, I think it's noteworthy that even when he moves to talk about the formal removal of sin, he falls back on the language of imputation mm-hmm. immediately. Um, so I just, I just I wanted to know. That's what keeps yeah. us used to us. Yeah. That keeps us, makes us, mm-hmm. we are. I think it shows you that whatever source there is of the purging, it's that. Mm-hmm. And whatever basis there is, it's that. And that's the only thing we can hope in. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one-week or semester-length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.